One of the things that I am particularly thankful for, um, first of all, I can't believe that it's Thanksgiving. I know I say that every year, but it's like, wow, where did 2018 go? But I am incredibly thankful for toothpaste. So let me, let me tell you why. Uh, we were just about out of toothpaste, and um, I do a lot of the shopping, and I thought, well, next time I go, I'll, you know, I'll get toothpaste. And I just forgot. And so we were to the very end. I mean, I, I know every, nobody else probably does this, but you, you push to the, get the very last little bit out, right? Well, we came, we woke up one morning, and there, there was nothing left to get. It was like, ooh, this isn't good. So I dug through all the travel stuff that I identified, found a little tube like that that was half full. Ah, we got a few more days now. <laughs> all right? So... We kept forgetting to buy it, and kept forgetting, it, and finally that tube ran out. This is ridiculous, right? Uh, so I dug one more time, and I found one more small one, and it was tasted awful. So we finally got it, and uh, we have toothpaste now. Life is good, and we can breathe again. And all, yay! All right. So, um, what what happened to me through that whole process is I began to imagine a world without toothpaste. Have you ever thought about that? I don't like to think about it. But just imagine how miserable we would all be if some of you didn't have toothpaste. <laughs> it would be a horrible thing. And, and I, I want to point out that, that sometimes we get so caught up in the stuff of today that we forget how blessed we are and, and the little things that we have. And, and there are people across the world who would love to have dental care of some kind. Right? And so we are, we are so incredibly blessed that way. So we're going to talk about Thanksgiving and being thankful. We're going to get some help from Paul. So if you turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. Now we need to do a little background here. So Paul, and, and it's important to remember this as we go through this, Paul was in prison. Uh, he was waiting sentencing. Eventually we know that his, uh, traditionally that he was sentenced to die. He was beheaded. And so he was under house arrest, and under house arrest, he had no freedom, but for some reason, they let him write letters. And so he wrote this letter to the church at Colossae, and uh, Colossae was a church, is a place that Paul had never been. Somebody else started the church, and he found out about them through a cellmate, and so he wrote them a letter of encouragement, and, and uh, they were going through some difficulties. And so when we read letters in the, in the Bible, it, it's kind of like hearing one side of a phone conversation. And uh, you kind of have to put the pieces together sometimes. And so, but I think what was going on in Colossae was, was what was happening to all the churches. There was a conflict within the church between the Jewish Christians and the non-Jewish Christians. And the Jewish Christians were being insistent that the non-Jewish Christians become Jewish. And the non-Jewish Christians didn't want to do that. And so Paul was trying to uh, help this church that he'd never met and encourage them. So Colossians chapter 3 Verse 15, 1184, if you're using the Pew Bible, here's what he says. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. 
Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So what Paul says is, is you can have peace as a congregation. As a group of people with this disagreement, you can have peace. And the key is, is for all of you to have peace in your own hearts. So you can have peace as individuals, and by doing so, you will have peace as a group. Now, we need to talk about what peace means, because that's a big deal. Peace, according to the, the Greek in this one spot, it means the absence of mental stress or anxiety. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? The absence of mental stress or anxiety. And what Paul says is, listen, if you want to have peace amongst yourselves, you need to have peace in your own life. And that peace, here's what it looks like. No no stress and anxiety. I want some of that. And I think in the following verses, what Paul does is he begins to tell us, now, here's how you can have that. Here's what it looks like. Here's how you can obtain this peace. And so let's go through, and I think there are three things that he says we need to do. And the first is at the end of 15, he says, be thankful. Be thankful. Now, imagine with me again where Paul is. He is not in a mansion. He is not surrounded by servants. He doesn't have beautiful women throwing grapes into his mouth. He's in prison. And here's this guy in prison waiting to be sentenced, saying, be thankful. Be thankful. Now, how is it that somebody in that situation finds a way to be thankful? How is it that somebody finds a way to say, you know what? In the midst of all of this in my life, all of this storm, I am so incredibly grateful to God, and you need to be thankful too. Well, you know, Paul was doing what? he's encouraging us to do. He was remembering how good God had been throughout the journey. He remembered the time that he was arrested. He remembered the time that he had been beaten. He remembered the time that he was stoned and left for dead and then got back up and went back into the city to preach again. He remembered all the times that he'd been delivered, the time that he sang in prison, and the prison shook and the gates opened and the chains fell off. And story after story after story, he remembered how good God had been, and he was in the midst of being in prison, thankful. Thankful. I got a quote here for you from uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, great Baptist preacher from the 1800s. He said this, he said, Be thankful for the providence which has made you poor or sick or sad. For by all this, Jesus works the life of your spirit and turns you to himself. So here's Paul in this time of what should have been despair, and he turns to Jesus, and he finds peace, and he finds gratefulness in the midst of a time when it makes absolutely no sense. One of the things that I've been doing for the past five years 
uh, is I've been working with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and it's a group that starts uh, Bible studies through Bible study and evangelism, reaches college students all over the world. And, uh, and so they came to me some time ago and asked me to, to participate with them. And so every week I lead a Bible study, every Thursday. And um, because FSCJ is a pretty much a two-year institution, there's a lot of turnover in Bible study. And every fall when we start, um, I may prepare a Bible study and nobody show up. Or one person shows up. Or, and and it, it, goes, it varies from year to year, from semester to semester. Um, and this semester was unusual. We've started with about five, and we're up to almost ten, and it's been a, been a, been a very bizarre semester. But I, I want to tell you a story about a young man who's been attending. He started last spring, and he, he's uh, still attending, and he's, he's there every week. Now, I'm not going to tell you his name, but if you met this young man on the street, right, here's what you would think. If it was a dark street at nighttime, you would be afraid. By the way he wears his hair, by the way he dresses, by the way he talks, the first thing we would think, and I'm not saying we should, but we would have a picture of a thug. We really would. And we'd see him, and it'd be like, whoa, I'm going to go someplace else because I don't want to be on the same street with him. But week after week after week, he comes to Bible study. And every week he says, I need you to give me a challenge for this week. So I give him a challenge. And I tell you this because this past Thursday, I opened up to let anybody who wanted to to pray. And this young man said the most beautiful prayer. Not a prayer of faith, but but a prayer of just loving God and asking for his help. And as tears are welling up in my eyes, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, Lord, what are you doing in this guy's life? Thank you for letting me be a part of it. And I think back to all of those weeks that I showed up and there was one student or no students and all those times I repaired how frustrating it is and aggravating it is. And all of a sudden, there was this one spot where it's like, wow, I get it now. At this one moment, and as he's moving towards faith and, and I see him eventually following Christ, it's like what an impact he's going to make in his community because God is so awesome. But my point is so many times we, we focus on the negative. We focus on what's wrong. We focus on what we don't have. Paul could have been in just a horrible mood. He could have said, you know what? I want, I want to go out and see the sun. I want to walk freely. I want to go to the bathroom on my own schedule instead of when they tell me I can go. I want to have charge of my life. I want to have freedom again. He could have been complaining about the whole thing, but he said, you know what? Be thankful. Be thankful. If you want to have peace in your life, we need to have thanksgiving. We need to be thankful for all God has done. And I think all of us, if we're honest, we can look back over our journeys and we can see how good God has been. Even in the hard times, we can stop and we can look back and remember how good he's been. In fact, in looking back on the hard times, we find the times that we're closest to him. So Paul goes on. He says to, to start in this, to find peace, the first thing we need to do is be thankful. 
verse 16 then he says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And here's what Paul says. He says, you know what you really need to be thankful about? As you need to be thankful about the gospel. You need to be thankful about what Jesus did. You need to be thankful about the message of Christ that dwells among you richly. You need to be thankful about this reality. That God so loved you that he sent his one and only son to die for you. That God, as the song says, didn't want to have heaven without you. So he sent Jesus to do for you what you could never do for yourself. This great gospel message, this good news that God so desperately loved us that he couldn't stand not being connected to us. And so often we forget how blessed we are to be redeemed children of the King. Yesterday was a miserable day for me. It all started when I took my oatmeal out of the microwave oven and I dropped the bowl and there was bowl and microwave everywhere. That should have been the sign and the symbol that I should have just gone back to bed. But alas, no, I was determined to continue on. So we are renovating this house, and I have figured out that in renovating, when you do the details like trim and those sorts of things, the idea is you're covering up all your mistakes. Right? So I was in a room covering mistakes. I was putting a quarter round on the floor to cover mistakes, and I got to a spot. I did one cut, got the board in, came to the next spot, and I had to get pieces of, of uh, the wood flooring so that I could, it was like a jigsaw puzzle. And I was cutting, I mean, meticulously for an hour or so, getting these pieces just right, and I finally got them just right, and it was time to make the next cut, and now we're going to start moving, and we're going to get a lot done, and I go out, and the miter saw is broken. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I made a couple of phone calls and was told, you know, it's 10 years old, it's probably dead. So I go buy a new miter saw. And I buy a stand to go with it so it would fit it, put the stand together, and the screws don't work. <laughs> and so I, this, this whole day, is just everything that I did was wrong. And so I was out in the garage trying to undo the mistakes I had made and on um, putting this stand together, not getting any work done. And my wife came out in the garage and said, you know, you probably ought to quit and just call it a night. Because there was one point she said, you want me to help you? I said, you do not want to help me. You will be incredibly frustrated today. So she said, come on in and worry about it later. So I did. And, and so I had this day and... and I wasn't, it wasn't like I was told I had cancer or anything dramatic, but nothing went right. And she said, you know, it's like you've been running on a treadmill full speed all day and you're going nowhere. I said, exactly what it felt like. And you know what's amazing? The whole day, the whole time, I never thought once how blessed I was to be a redeemed child of the king. Never crossed my mind. Oh, I tried to sing a couple of times, but it didn't help. It was just a bad day. And because of all the bad stuff, I was so focused on the negativity that I forgot Jesus died for me. He gave everything for me. I don't deserve that. I'm not worthy of that. 
but he did it. And I think when Paul's talking about the songs and the spiritual songs, he's going, when you think about what Jesus has done for you as a group, you need to celebrate. You need to sing songs. You need to jump up and down. You need to have a party because Jesus did for you what nobody else would ever do. He gave everything. And I think when we come to this Thanksgiving reality, we think, well, there's just not a lot to be thankful for. Paul would say, yeah, there is. You've been given way more than you deserve in the spiritual realm. You've been given way more than you've earned the right to have because you were hopeless, you had no direction, you had no hope, but God intervened in your life and gave you exactly what you needed. That's a beautiful thing. We always have that to be thankful for. So Paul says one more thing. He says this, verse 17, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And Paul says, all right, so you really want to have peace. Out of gratitude, out of thankfulness, center your life completely around Jesus. Whatever you do, whether it's spoken word or it's action, do everything centered around Jesus and who he is. You see, one of the struggles we have, I think, is that we live in selfishness. We live in this idea that everything that exists is about me. Everything I do is about me. Paul says, no. Whatever you do, in word or deed, out of gratitude, do it for the honor and glory of our king. You see, peace is one of those things, that, that idea of not having anxiety or stress in your mind. Peace is one of those things that is ever-elusive. And when we try to pursue peace, we're, we're never going to find it. But Paul says when you live for Jesus, peace is going to show up. So out of gratitude, live for him. Live a life in which he is honored and glorified, and he's the center of everything you do. Peace is going to show up. And out of gratitude, we live a life of obedience. One of the joys that I have in teaching is I get to be on the front lines of ministry, and I get to take the gospel to people that would not hear it any other way. And uh, so after class on Wednesday, a young lady came to me and said, can I talk to you? I said, well, of course. She said, well, I need you to put your pastor hat on. I'm like, okay. So we went out in the courtyard, and for 45 minutes we talked, and she told me her story. Uh, her father committed suicide when she was a young child. Uh, her mom had lived, in a lifestyle, lived a lifestyle that was uh, not a good model. As a teenager, she became a follower of Jesus at a camp, um, and now she's making difficult decisions in her lifestyle. And she said to me, she said, yesterday I had something happen that I haven't had happen in years. And when you're 20 and 21, you're talking about not having happen in years, that's, I mean, we talk, Roy Clark died, and I was talking to my kids about hee-haw, and they said, what's hee-haw? So, but she said, in years, I had a feeling I haven't had in years. She said, yesterday, I felt like deep inside of me a total peace. I said, well, that's what Paul called the peace that passes understanding. It's this internal reality that I happened to be speaking about the Sunday. There's no stress or anxiety in your mind. 
And it's something God gives us when we follow him. She said, but I want that every day. I said, well, you know, the secret of that is obedience. Is living the life that Jesus has called you to live and making him the center of everything of who you are. And when we do that, it may mean that you have to give up certain things in your life. It may mean that you have to set aside a job or a relationship or whatever it is. You may have to set those things aside because what he wants matters most. And if you make him the center of your world and you live for him, peace is going to be there, even when life stinks. And so we talked and we prayed and she went our way, but, but it was like, you know, how do we miss it? Why do we make it so hard? You see, I think sometimes, and this was her issue, is sometimes we want God to be the kind of God we want him to be instead of the God he is. We want him to love us on our terms. But he's God and we're not. And so I, I, I want us to, to understand this reality that, you know, the Scripture promises peace, and, and, and it begins in this attitude of thanksgiving, of thankfulness for what he's done. And thankfulness plays itself out in a life of obedience, in a life of following Christ and making him the center of our world. I know I've told you the story, but I'll wrap up with this. When I was about 12 years old, I went to my dad and I said, Dad, all my friends are getting an allowance. I want one too. Now, you don't know, my dad's 86, and he still, every day, spends a minimum of two hours working on his finances. I have no idea what he does. But he has this ledger that has every expense, everything that comes in, and it's every day. He makes sure, I think he starts over the whole month every day and makes sure. And so I, I tell you that because he knows exactly what's being spent on everything, even when I was 12. So when I was 12, I said, Dad, my friends are all getting allowances, and I want an allowance too. He scratched his head, and he, he said, come here, sit down, son. And we sat down at the kitchen table. And he knew exactly what the electric bill was. And he said, one-fourth of the electric bill is this number, or one-third of the electric bill. The water bill is this, so one-third of the water bill is this. The groceries cost us this, so one-third of that is that. And he went through every expense. And he had it all memorized. He added it up. So I, I don't remember the exact numbers, and, and, and he, he said, okay, here's what, what I'll do. I'll give you $100 a month or allowance. He said, but what I'll do is I'll just take it out of what you owe me and then you pay me $400 a month and we'll be even. That's what he said. So I thought for a minute and I thought for a minute and I said, you know, I don't think I really want an allowance. I think one of the mistakes we make is we get so focused on what we don't have that we forget how good we have it. And I think that's what Paul was saying in prison as he wrote this letter to the church at Colossae. You know, you're fighting over stuff that's really silly. 
Chase after Jesus again and you'll fix it. When we come to Thanksgiving, it's so easy to be caught up in what's wrong. I mean, we, we know the world's messed up. We know crazy things are happening. But we must never forget how good God's been and celebrate his goodness. Let's pray. 